You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com, and not the first strategy podcast on the internet. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is uh, freelance writer Tom Chick. Hello. Uh, if I can get anyone a coffee, let me know. And Dr. Bruce Derrick. What's that thing about not the only what? Not yeah, I want to hear about this, too. What's going yeah. on? I thought we were what first. What happened? Apparently, there was an RTS-themed podcast uh, last year, ran for through for 19 episodes. Oh, Why wasn't I alerted? Who who was doing this? I can't believe someone was doing this without me being there. Who who were uh, these guys? A bunch of, bunch of nobodies. Uh, I mean, they're they're, they're oh. fans. No, they're, they're they're fans. It was called Shift Q RTS uh, podcast. Right? That's a pretty. I think Shift Q is a pretty good name. Not as good as Three Moves Ahead, but uh, Shift Q is not bad. Bunch of RTS fans, pretty much command and conquer people, um, but we were not the first, and they ran for 19 episodes. And well, also Troy, while you're trash talking podcasts, I'm uh, trash talking anybody. Well, you've always been like we are the best strategy podcast on the air, which I agree with, but right. I wouldn't want to actually say that because that's rude. Uh, but I noticed you were a guest on another strategy gaming podcast. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so there, there's a civilization. Uh, podcast, so we're not as rarefied company as I thought we once were. Right? Yeah, but that's yeah, but that's just civilization. I mean, it's it's just one game. I mean, they're great and they know all about civilization times. But so. <laughs> didn't they though talk about like? I mean, it's it's those guys from Apolitan, isn't it? Like it's all those. Yeah. yeah. It's basically four X games rather than just Civ, right? Like they also talk yeah. about. I don't know, Moo and whatnot? I don't know. The the, the polycast is almost exclusively Civilization. Okay. When I was on, all we talked about was Civilization. Um, So just so that I'm clear, what claims can we make and not make about Three Moves Ahead? We are are not the only strategy gaming podcast. No. Are we we say we're the best? We're the longest-running general strategy-themed podcast. I would say I like that. Good. Okay. All right, good. Yeah. So uh, I'm on board with all that. There we go. Let's, get, right. let's get some plaques made up and hang them on the office wall. I'll and, get uh, I'll get Cafe Press to run up some mugs, and I'll put that in the back. Sweet. Along with Speaking the hef- of mugs, I can then make coffee for those mugs. There we go. There we go. Uh, today we're going to talk a bit about uh, the game, which was, I guess, the theme of Flash of Steel most of this week, and that is Majesty and Majesty 2. Uh, the nine years late sequel to the classic 2000 Cyberlore uh, pseudo RTS uh, came out. Is there a deadline on that? Did they did, did they say that they were going to come out nine years ago and they didn't? It's like Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, yeah. no, it's just a a sequel done by different. Calling it Majesty Two, I think, is kind of deceptive because it was never really Why? well. It's really the second Majesty, but it's more of a remake. It's an entirely different studio, and I wouldn't really call it a sequel. Why? Why would? Why? It's a do-over. I mean, it doesn't really. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point, I guess. It is uh, a reboot. Here, here's the analogy that I would use. Living in Los Angeles, where it's where all things are movies. And Bruce, I know you're on board with this because you're a huge movie fan and you see a lot of them. Majesty Two is to Majesty as you ready for this? Terminator Two is to Terminator. So you you're that? saying that. All the bad guys are good guys in Majesty 
<laughs> I guess I forgot about the little moral twist in Terminator too. Uh, it, I kind of agree with Troy. I mean, I, I think it's fine to bill it as a sequel, and it's not sure. that deceptive, but but it really is kind of like they just they just kind of remade the first one with slightly better production values, and they didn't try to do anything new or different, or they didn't alter the formula in any substantial way. Um, but Bruce, you're absolutely right. I am shortchanging the sort of protagonist flip or the antagonist flip from the Terminator movies. So you being a movie buff, I'm glad you called me on that. Well, I just want to know which is better. Which do you think is better? The the movie, the, the game Majesty 2 or the movie The Road? Shut up. Quit talking about that. Nobody's <laughs> seen it but you yet. I can't believe you're lording yeah, the fact that you went to Toronto over me and Troy. How dare you? That's okay. Here we go. So let's talk about uh, so all the historical inaccuracies in Majesty 2. First of all, is it true that dwarves and elves don't get along? I've seen no evidence. I've, I've seen no evidence of that. Yeah. For those Bruce, who are, what does history tell us? Yes. Well, history tells us that there were both dark elves and... and wait, what? Why would you ask me? I don't know anything about elves. That's great. You started going before you like realized that you would be a dork if you knew about elves. I think yeah. we, should, we should probably explain what we're talking about. Uh, so, so one of the things they don't do in Majesty Two that they did do in Majesty One, and I can't decide whether or not I miss it. Uh, but Bruce, you you know that there was a history of intolerance expressed in Majesty One. In really? That if you yes, yes, intolerance was it was gameplay. And you can't do that these days because, you know, we've come a long way. Mm -hmm. uh, but but it used to be that if you had one temple, you then couldn't bring in another temple. Uh, that you had to make either or choices. You know, dwarves or elves, uh, priestesses of, I don't know, Agricola or whatever they're called, or warriors uh -huh. of Kratos. I don't know the uh -huh. names. Uh, but right? so, so that's gone in Majesty what? 2. Yeah, what? these people can totally get along. You can have both. Oh. You can have your cake and eat it too. Oh, ebony and ivory, in cats spite and of dogs the fact lying together, mass hysteria. That's Majesty Two. Even though the in-game tooltips say elves and dwarves do not get along. Actually, what they do, and I haven't really checked this. If you, one of the new things in Majesty Two is there's a party system right. where you can group uh, your heroes into little cluster into parties. And I think, Troy, that only comes up if you have elves and dwarves in the same party. Do you know for sure? Oh, oh well. Who would do that? And I think you either can't or they maybe they fight each other. I don't really know what happens. Uh, but you can. there's no limit. to. You don't have to make those tough either-or choices that you had to make in Majesty. And I think I kind of miss that. Forcing players to sacrifice something in favor of something else is good gameplay. Yes. I agree with you. Um, but that's not how America is now. Right. We're all inclusive. We can have the priestesses of Agricola and the warriors of Kratos. And they, they get along and they help each other and they coexist. And, and there's, there's rainbows and flowers. And it's beautiful. Uh, so what they, what they do to sort of sub in gameplay where you used to have to make these choices. Uh, on the map, there's a limited number of temple uh, building spots. Right. They're called uh, magic nodes. I don't know. There's some internal fiction. But you can only build so many temples. Uh, it's not uh, an either-or thing. Instead, it's a matter of map control. You have to get out there. You have to take this temple node. You have to defend it long enough to build something on it. Uh, it's, it's more about map control than, than choices. Uh, and since you only have so many m nodes, 
you can only build so many advanced temples. Um, but before we get into like nitty gritty stuff about like Majesty Two, let's like talk about the whole concept right. of of Majesty. You know what makes Majesty special? Well, that's the central conceit is that it is a an RTS that asks you to control things without controlling things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through what? And that's and and isn't that frustrating? Yes or no? Hmm. It's frustrating in a good way, I would think. It's one of those delightful frustrations. No, mm-hmm. it just pisses me off. <laughs> just pisses you so, off. I, now, Bruce, I know that's not true because you, if I'm not mistaken, you were quite a fan of Majesty. That's correct, right? Uh, well, uh, I don't think so because I think that I wrote a long thing that Eric Walpaw then had to rebut about how Majesty sucked. Um, I actually I, see. I thought be, that was ironical. You you yeah, saying yeah, Majesty I, sucked? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it was, and, and you caught me, and you know, you win. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought the whole majesty, um, as Troy calls it, conceit. Although I don't like to be conceited, and I don't think other people do either. Um, is a, is a really? I, I thought it was really pretty brilliant. Um, the only thing about it that I don't like, and it doesn't have anything to do with game design, it just has to do with the way I play games, is that it's it's a little too role-playing for me. And that part of the way that you enjoy the game is sort of vicariously watching your little guys. It's, it's a little bit... Well, I don't, a role-playing is probably a bad word. Maybe I should have said, uh, you know, city builder. Because I really don't like city builders. But uh, I guess in, in a different way, it's a city builder that they got me a play because uh, it was just enough strategy role-playing uh, for me to get over the fact that I was building a city. So, um, no, I thought, I thought Majesty was great. And... Um, I think that uh, it's funny that that uh, the new studio would be so uh, enamored with the gameplay that they would just try to redo it better rather than try to build on it. I mean, I think there are a lot of maybe they just didn't have any more ideas. I that w- I'm kind of glad of that because that that was one of my misgivings, knowing that there was a sequel. Uh, Cyberlore when they made this really hit on something unique and special and uh, nobody else had done anything like that before. And I'm actually kind of convinced no one has done anything like it since. So I was a bit worried when a new studio came on board that they wouldn't appreciate what Cyberlore had done and they might try to make it more like an RTS or more like a city builder. Um, so ultimately I'm, I'm glad they didn't, and I'm glad they basically gave it the Terminator two treatment and basically mm-hmm. just as Troy said, did a do over. Um, right. So, so I'm okay with that because I'm a little worried. What I think it's a new group too. Troy, do you know it's it's part of One C, isn't it? Yeah, it's One C. Uh, I know company, and I'm not sure if they've done anything before. Um, I mean, One C is a huge. One C is Maddox, though, isn't it? It's bigger than that, Bruce. I mean, it, that, it's those guys, but I think they acquired another developer. If okay. I'm not mistaken, I think these guys were. Troy, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I thought they were like an independent developer. I think in Russia they're making it, and they get acquired by One C. Did yeah, I just I invent that, Troy? Right. I, th- I think that's it. I mean, One C is this huge uh, Russian publishing company. I mean, they have okay. They have a, a but yes, you're right, Bruce. They're known for the IL2 games. I mean, I think that's that was their bread and butter for a while. Okay. Uh, so, so these these guys though that uh, I, I I think part of why I think they're also a new sort of inexperienced developer is because some of my issues with Majesty Two are some of the same kind of rookie mistakes we talked about with East India Company. 
mm-hmm. where they have this cool gameplay and they they don't quite develop it. They don't they don't quite have an interface to support the gameplay, and they they make a lot of rookie mistakes uh, that I think a, a developer with more experience would have avoided. Such um, as what? So my huge problem with Majesty Two uh, is is interface stuff. One of the brilliant pieces, one of the brilliant bits of the original Majesty was how clear it always was where heroes were, what they were doing, where they were going, uh, who was going after which flag, uh, and that's not as easy. It's not as easy to get that information in Majesty Two. Uh, there's a panel in the upper right hand corner of all your heroes and it's sort of hard to tell one wizard from the other. And when you click on, like, a flag, you can't really tell, okay, which guys are going for this flag. Uh, it's hard to tell who's in a building, for instance. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and, and those, those were crucial bits of the original Majesty, is you, you had this, this beautiful ant farm, and it was easy to see who was doing what. Right. Uh, and I think some of that gets lost in Majesty 2. Uh, yeah. So... Well, I went. I went back uh, and looked up my my review of of Majesty and Bruce. You, you were can talking do that. Oh. Uh, well, you can do that if you have my laptop, my computer that I, <laughs> that I worked okay. on. Okay, all right, there you go. Uh, so th- this was originally on I think Game Center, uh, which is long gone. But I opened the review, and Bruce, you made me think of this. It's kind of a a voyeur's game uh, in that you really. And I think, God, did I actually do this? I'd have to go back and check. But I think I opened with a quote from being there, where, where Chance is saying, oh. "I like to watch Eve." God, I hope I, that's really that's really pretentious. Yeah, I think I you did. did actually. I think you're right. Oh, I remember that. Good a, lord, a quote so, from what? Being, uh, being there. Oh, being there. Yeah. Okay, I just didn't hear you. All right. And there's a gag in the movie where yeah. uh, Chance Gardner. Uh, he just he's an observer. I mean, it's a whole Jerry Kaczynski. Is that right, Bruce? It's a novel yeah. about a about a guy. It's it's sort of Forrest Gump before uh, Robert Zemeckis got a hold of Forrest Gump. Yeah. And there's a gag where one of the the character likes to watch things, and and uh, Shirley MacLaine mistakes that for him being a voyeur. And uh, mm-hmm. so anyway, I that that was my sort of opening. Uh, that was my intro for Majesty. Is it's kind of a voyeur's game. Uh, and Bruce, you talked about. I mean, you're, it, it is kind of like a city builder in that. You don't control things. You're just watching things unfold, and and you're sort of removed from the action uh, and right. left to watch. Um, and you have to be. You have to have to really get that. You have to get some set of satisfaction out of creating the whole, you know, backstory and world of those people, and then just watching them and do stuff. So yeah. that doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's kind of, in a way, the antithesis of, of video gaming, because I think the the core the core of most video games. Are, are power fantasies, uh, and majesty is the opposite. Majesty is an exercise in being occasionally powerless. You know, you see your little heroes going in to a battle, and they're, they're, they get in over their heads, and they're going to get killed, and there's, there's not a lot you can do about that. And that's kind of yeah. the antithesis of what I think people look for in a lot of video games. So, I agree. I think that... Uh, um I mean, it's just like you said, well, I, I don't really have anything amazing to say to add to that. It's all the obvious stuff. It's a little sandbox. It's a little ant farm that you already used that term. So uh, you can just move on from that. But that, <clears throat> I'm, I'm amazed that, uh, why didn't that game do better? I just got the impression that it didn't really do that well. 
I, I think that's part of the answer is it's the antithesis of what people look for in a video game. Uh, you, you know what? The city builder, here's the thing. Sort of building on that question, Bruce, why didn't it do better amongst people who like city builders? Because they're used to that kind of thing. They, they like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that, I mean, the game definitely doesn't riff off all the things that I think city builder players look for, which is this sort of model train kind of aspect of building a city, which the game totally doesn't have. I mean, it's totally uh, all about just, um, I mean, you get the, it's the illusion of city building, but all the fiddly sort of, I want to put this thing right exactly here. And Mm. uh, like I said, the model train kind of thing where you, you build a, you, you build a world and then watch it and look at it and say, wow, I did that. I put that little thing there. None of that is in, uh, is in, in, uh, in, uh, majesty. So I don't think I think it really seems like a city builder. You get a little bit of that city builder aspect, but I think it's uh, the things that people who play city builders like is not there. Because that you know what it's a city builder, but in in lieu of a city, you're playing a fantasy RPG. In a city builder, you get to watch the landscape grow. Here, you have to want to watch heroes level up, and yeah, uh, I guess exactly. that right there is a classic uh, power fantasy. Uh, for, for, for gamers, is you, you level up a hero. And if you're removed from that and you're watching it happen to other people, I guess it probably it, it probably doesn't satisfy that impulse for a lot of people. So, yeah. Uh, there there have been a few games that I've... Well, there, there, I think there are some games that are influenced by Majesty, but not many. I mean, it really didn't catch on as a, as a gameplay model. It really That's why I... I mean, I, yeah, in my review, I called it an evolutionary dead end, and I think that's ah yes, yes. I think mm. that's I think that's partly because the design itself is almost inevitably an evolutionary dead end. There's not many places to go. From you know, you will have very little control over your heroes. Where do you go from that? If you give you well, I think you could probably make a game where you are controlling a guy who's playing Majesty. <laughs> Just a little too meta, I would think. Uh, that's going to sell well. That would be awesome. <laughs> Sim gamer game. Uh, evolutionary dead end. I like. I'm going to steal that. Hold on. Let me write that down. It's already in print. You can't steal it. Ah, rats! Damn you! <laughs> you can use um, you can use that for your, your Halo review. <laughs> yeah, that's an evolutionary dead end. That that Halo franchise. That's not going anywhere, man. I don't know what those guys are it's thinking. Dead. <laughs> dead man. Uh, so let's look at let's talk a bit about the roots of Majesty. What games did it come from? And I'm sure we can all pick out the sort of er version of Majesty. Yeah, do you guys? You guys know? Yeah. What Hammurabi? <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, I know you played Populous. Yeah, uh, sure. Populous is, I think, the blueprint for Majesty. Uh, hmm. I, I think the guys at yeah. Cyberlore must have been huge Populous fans. Um, well, who wasn't a Populous fan? That's the question. Yeah. And Good point. Populous People who weren't playing video games back then. Populous yeah. is one of the great uh, game designs of all time. And and there's yeah. a lot of similarity, too. In, yeah. the po- in, in, the, in Populous, you can influence your people, but you can't directly control them. I mean, in Majesty, you have the flags that you assign a financial value to, mm-hmm. and that determines how well, how attracted your heroes are to that flag. Um, but in Populous, you just had the one... Was he a prophet or a priest or a demigod? Or I forgot chief. what the one dude was called. The chief, chief? really? I think it was something that simple. That's so prosaic. Oh, that's sad now. <laughs> chief. 
Uh, but yeah, so you just had that one dude, and one of the things they do in Majesty is you can basically have multiple dudes, and you can give them weight by putting money on them. Uh, so that that's something that came from from Populous, and also Populous had the same thing, where it's almost like they knew. Well, Populous is a little different, but in Populous you could cast spells, mm-hmm. and in Majesty it's almost like they knew that watching that simply watching wasn't enough, so you can research spells that let you sort of put your divine or kingly finger into the game and, and tweak things, whether it's like a lightning bolt or a heal spell. Right. Um, so that that very much comes from Populous as well. Populous also, I think, so that's a Peter Molyneux design. Mm-hmm. Over time, I think, uh, and here's further evidence, Troy, that it's an evolutionary dead end. So rather than taking the Populous model further with that idea of lack of control, Peter Molyneux, as he took that model and made it more detailed and more complex, he introduced more control instead of less. And if you think of Populous as like the starting point that later became Dungeon Keeper and then Black and White, uh, it's sort of like he lost faith in this idea that that people can just sort of influence and and watch things. Uh, Those became increasingly more like city builders or conventional RTSs. And in fact, Black and White 2, just con- straight up conventional RTS, I think. Well, I think that, but I mean, it sounds like he, I mean, he did that with good reason because this, as we t- discussed before, Majesty 2 didn't, or just Majesty, Majesty didn't really do that well. So, right. I mean, maybe he <clears throat> lost, I think as the gaming market developed, I think maybe he rightfully lost faith in a in a, a a game mechanic that really only appeals to a very small uh, part of the gaming sort of community. Yeah, I'm not convinced that the mechanic was the issue. I mean, how many games uh, don't sell well because of their mechanics? I mean, Probably a lot. I mean, you have to... Yeah, I think a lot of them. I mean, well, I, but, I mean that, you, are, you, are, you, are, you would have to play Majesty to really, you know, get a, or read reviews, and we know nobody reads reviews uh, to understand... Wait, 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 wait. That doesn't make it... So, so wait, so you're saying that in order to play, in order to, to, in order to make a decision about a game, you have to play it. So therefore, you've already bought it. So therefore, it doesn't really. I, I don't understand your point. I'm saying that I'm, I'm, my general point is I'm, I'm not convinced that Majesty was a failure because I think that the, people may have drawn the lesson that oh yes, people didn't buy it because of the lack of control. People don't want that. I'm not convinced that's why it was a failure. I think. It, well, what other reason? The game box was not the right color, or what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, it could have been simply as simple as poor marketing. What other games are coming out at the time? I mean, there's only so many room for so many room for so many RTSs. This is what I mean when you think actually that that was sort of the height of the glut yeah. of generic RTSs. This back is then. this is two thousand. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot on the market. But that that did, that is an interesting question. Did it not sell well because it was different from other RTSs? Did they not get the message out? Was it like Kohan? Yeah, like Kohan, completely different. But I, you know, Kohan had so many problems with like marketing and even distribution. I mean, those poor guys got screwed. And the nine ways to Sunday. Ever. At least Majesty is a good name. You can't make that case for Kohan. Ah, that's a good point. Yes. Well, you know what? Is Majesty a good name or is it generic? I don't know. It doesn't really say anything about what's unique about the gameplay. Uh, yes, it I, does. I it makes you a king or a chief. No, come on. Mm, yeah, of course it no. does. No, yes, Majesty yes. is a generic fantasy name. You could you could uh, Everwinter Knight's Majesty, and it, it oh, wouldn't make any difference. No, like the K- King of Dorethil is the, <laughs> the generic fantasy name. 
<laughs> Majesty, though, doesn't say anything to me about, you know, I think of like majestic or this sort of divine kingliness. I, I don't know. I don't get anything no, majestic from Majestic was that game where you had to had to play email or whatever. Yeah, I right. can't believe you know that. Why on earth do you know that? Oh, I was a Majestic fan day. <laughs> the only reason I know that, Bruce, is because I was looking down the, the list of my old reviews in a, in a window, you know, that arranged files alphabetically, and I was going down the list looking for Majesty, Majesty, and it's like, Majestic? What the hell is that? And I had to, like, click on the file to open it up and be reminded what that was. I can't believe you wow. remember that. <laughs> I'm glad you played that. We probably oh, yeah. we, we probably battled in the virtual world of email and Majestic at some point. Yeah, there's another game about uh, loss of control. You had to wait and get an email <laughs> before you could play. What a terrible uh, idea. Uh, so back to so, Majesty. So what about games that have been... Actually, so are there any other early games like that that had that sort of populous, you have no control thing? You have you have you don't have direct control. You can only influence things. Well, outside of the city builders and you know some of the the I mean the Sims to some extent you could control, but there was also a little bit of autonomy uh, in the sim you were controlling. That also came out in two thousand. Um, certainly, you had more control than you did in Populous, um, and less than you do and and more than you do in, in Majesty. But you also had you know the autonomous figure fulfilling his needs. Um, if he really needed to eat or he really needed to sleep, your sim was not going to go and play chess. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out before it was, you know, in development at the same time as Majesty. So certainly, it's a, a precursor couldn't have influenced them. Uh, but I think a lot of games have tried to deal with this tension between, you know, the f- agent with free will and the all-powerful, you know, general god. Hmm. Well, I would, I would also. I think close combat is similar because right. sometimes I would oh. all the guys to do and they, they wouldn't do it because they were scared. Man, that's an excellent call, Bruce. I can't believe I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that too. Close combat is like majesty. Awesome, yeah. Because that had that awesome uh, morale model. You know, right. the, the guys could break morale. Like it, the the lesson of close combat was that if you break somebody's morale where they don't do what they've been told to do. That's just as good as shooting them. Uh, right. Excellent call. Wow, okay. Good one. Uh, the Sims, Troy, and The Sims 3, you can actually recreate a little bit of that sensation of playing Majesty uh, by, by turning on the uh, AI control. And one of the ways that I've sort of enjoyed playing Sims 3, because it's, it's actually a fairly easy game, it's fairly forgiving, as we've talked about before, is to have a, multi- is a household with multiple Sims and only directly control one of them. Right. And it creates that same majesty feel where you, you do have an avatar there, you've got something to do, but you're also uh, in a free will environment because everyone else in your household is doing their own thing. And you might want your daughter to do her homework or your wife to do the dang dishes already, uh, and none of that gets done unless you do it. Or So, so it, and it's sort of that same majesty feel where you don't have direct control and you are a voyeur, kind of. And I don't think you could really do that in the earlier Sims because I don't think the AI was that good. Like, you would have people, you know, peeing themselves at a party and, uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> you can even... Yeah. I, I, I agree even though I hate The Sims 3. 
Uh, I know a game you've been playing, Bruce, lately that is very much like Majesty. I think. I've never played what? it. World of Warcraft? No, it's oh. your new... Fr- oh, you've been playing that lately? No, but what, what are you saying? Dwarf Fortress, of course. Yeah. Yes, Dwarf Fortress! <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you've ever said the name of a game with such gusto. That, that, was, that was delightful to hear. <laughs> That's a very good analogy. Because there's a lot, because I, everyone, and there's a lot of majesty there, right, Bruce? Oh, totally. I mean, and, and the whole idea is that you're uh, um, you're watching your guys and, and reading about what they do and, and watching their you know them gain skill at things. Uh, I, I wish they were bigger and, and more distinguishable than you know asterisks, but I mean that's fine. So um, no, I mean, I, I, but the, the thing about Dwarf Fortress and there's a whole lot of things about Dwarf Fortress, and we're gonna have to have a show that's totally devoted to Dwarf Fortress and fan fiction that I've written about my characters in Dwarf Fortress <laughs> is um, the, the fact that it the whole world, I mean, it just it, it, it creates an entire world and you just watch your guys kind of interact with it and be in it and it, I mean, it all it has all, it's, I mean, it even has like little other lands that probably have their own poems and sagas and whatever. Majesty, the, the thing that I don't like about Majesty is that it seems a little bit too artificial it's like a little terrarium i mean mm-hmm. you, your guys are just placed in this little bowl and you drop all sorts of things and it just doesn't seem i mean it doesn't it does a really really bad job uh, that's two reallys in the same sentence uh of it does a bad job of 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 building any kind of world around what you're doing and i think that was the biggest failure of majesty for me and why i didn't like it even more than i did i mean i like the mechanics but it didn't really give me there was no there was very little sense of place for me in Majesty. It was really really artificial. Mm-hmm. The terrarium, uh, I love the analogy. Yeah, it's very much like a terrarium. So I two two uh, one question and one comment. I'll do the comment first. Uh, they one of the new things that they do in Majesty two, which is just the slightest nod towards what you're talking about, Bruce, is in each scenario adventure you can keep one of your heroes and then bring him back in a later scenario or her uh, and he's, or her thank you uh, or it i don't know or el- yeah elves are dudes or chicks duh. uh and they they they're totally leveled up they have all their equipment with them and all their spells that they've been taught uh it's it's not a huge deal but it's a it's a slight nod towards creating this sort of persistence and that's not the same as a world but it's close and it, it might do in a bind um but i wish they'd maybe done more in that regard as well. Uh, so the question I have, Bruce, so you talk about, isn't Dwarf Fortress also a terrarium? Because my understanding is you're just in a dungeon. No. no. Oh, oh, no. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. No, there's a whole world. There, oh, Well, like, my there's God. the top I, level, right? Like, don't you have to pick where you dig the dungeon? Yeah. What's up? I, Dude. There are, there are wars, there's trade routes, there's God raiding goblins, it, it's... What? It makes it, Dwarf Fortress basically builds an entire world where there are like other like lands like in some other place where you know you only hear tell of that stuff. And I haven't gotten deep enough into the game to uh, really figure out how to go there and have you know. But there's 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 so much going on in that game. I mean, it really is. It's like a little world simulator that you happen to have your little dwarves in this little corner digging their little dungeon. I mean, it's it's completely not a not a little. It's it's the opposite of Terrarium. That's the, oh. that's one of the really great things about it. It is it really is. They make this whole um, this. It's like it's like 
Dwarf Fortress is like Tolkien with all of the freaking Christopher Tolkien like atlases and sub stories and stuff in is the, the Silmarillion in there. Back. Dude, the Silver Malian is totally there. It's all there. It's wow! It's, I had no uh, idea. Oh, yeah. it is a rem- yeah, it's, it's, it is a remarkably deep and beautiful world building game. And I just wish they had an interface to uh, really take advantage of the stories that you can tell with that game. It is, it is awesome. It is in the old, not in the cliche version of awesome. It is an awe-inspiring feat of both computer-generated narrative, because they generate this world, and user-created narrative, because you're reading things into what is happening into your world. Um, you know, I think that we should... I think that that game, then, should have the name Majesty. It sounds much more <laughs> majestic than Majesty. And we should call Majesty, uh, you know, Dwarf slash Elf slash Human Fortress, or whatever. Viking. Well, it's not even a fortress. It's just kind of like a... Speaking of Vikings... Uh, Nobody right. said anything about Vikings. You can't do that. I didn't say Vikings. I, I said a Viscount instead of Majesty. <laughs> oh, Viscount. Yeah, Viscount. So he's gonna start talking about uh, uh, Nicholas when he reference uh, Valhalla Rising. Hey, shut but up! Shut up! Oh my God! Quit talking about movies that showed at Toronto. Nobody yeah. wants to hear you. I no, do. You I guys? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll let you guys do a movie podcast afterwards. That's not fair. Uh, di- I-, I can't wait to see that movie, though, Bruce. Oh, you're such a jerk. I know. Yeah, you're going to like it. Oh, you're going to like it. Shut up. Shut up. You're talking too much. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, for people who don't know this, I'm I'm super uh, anal retentive about spoilers for movies that I can't wait to see. And, and Bruce is taunting me because he's seen two movies I really want to see. Ugh, that's not fair. All so right. uh, let's get back to Majesty because there are no spoilers in Majesty. No. It will ruin movies for me. Uh, what uh, one game that reminds me of Majesty that is more of a city builder, but that plays at a similar scale to Majesty is Tropico. And Tropico, uh, conventional city builder, you're building buildings, but Tropico is also really good about about named characters. You know, you would have citizens with jobs and they would go about their business and they would have families and there would be political factions. Uh, it was a city builder that played a little bit at the same scale uh, as Majesty. And I'm really curious to see how Tropical 3 yeah, comes out. That's gone gold. That's another game. This is a, a reboot. Once again, I'm expecting more of a do-over. Um, right. With the remaking Tropical? So who is it, Troy? Haymont. They did... Uh, Right, a bunch of Roman they city builders, the, uh, Grand Ages, Rome, yeah, and the they, like. They did all that Rome stuff. Yep. And before that, some really arch terrible uh, RTSs, the Celtic Kings series. Oh. And and the the good thing about them rebooting Tropico is Tropico kind of uh, lost its way. Uh, you know, they did Tropico and the Banana Republics, and then Tropico Two, which the the wonderful guys at Frog City did. Uh, was a pirate. a pirate base simulator. Yeah, which, where did that come Everybody from? Everybody loves pirates. Uh, well, there's nothing inherently wrong with pirates. I mean, the game was bad, but then don't, why are you ragging on pirates? Uh, okay, so it was a weird, Tropico 2 was a weird, pirates are great at what they do, which is going out to sea and plundering other ships. Uh-huh. Pirates at home, that's what pirates do, Bruce. Uh, but, but... Tropico 2 was only about the pirates when they got home from plundering the ships. Oh, it yeah. Was sort of like, it was about pirate R and R, and and that's wow. just not, yeah nobody wants to see that. Yeah. Uh, so Tropico Three is going back to that that wonderful Banana Republic. Uh, I think it's even like a Cold War setting. I think they're going back to all that, aren't they? Yeah, Troy? yeah, they're going back to 
all the fun stuff. You can be Fidel Castro or Batista or... You can't... What? Bruce, That's are you like going to be Fidel Castro or Batista? Which one That's are you like going to be? It's like having a Hitler character. You can't do that. Oh, please. Can I be Stalin in, uh, in Tropical Ah, Spring? here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I want to be Pol Pot. Can we have a Southeast Asian Tropico? Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, so I... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and I really like the scale that the Tropico games play at. Have you guys played uh, Gratuitous Space Battles? Not yet. That's Positex game. It's in beta, I believe, right? Yeah, and is that... I don't know, but is that like Majesty-esque? I don't know. I don't know, know enough about it? it. I've been kind of... Until I get my hands on a final build, I've been kind of dodging it. Okay, because I think you build ships and then they do their own thing and you watch. I could be wrong about that, though. Uh, I was hoping one of you guys had played it. No, I read uh, a thread about it. That's the best I can do for you. Okay, that's a start. Uh, what about, here's one, and Bruce, I'm going to blow your mind with this, because I know you've never heard of this game, and I can't wait to tell you the title. Uh, Holy Invasion of Privacy, Batman. What have I done to deserve this? There you go. That's actually the name of a game. That's, That's not the name, name of a game. The name of a game. It's on the box. It's on the little boot-up screen. It's on a little tiny... It's a PSP game, so it comes on a little tiny UMD disc. Uh, did, did you That's get all that? Of That's the name of the game. That's it. Yep. Does that come on five and a quarter inch floppy? Well, they have to put it on that to fit that title on there. So It's, <laughs> and it, it's very Majesty-esque. Um, it's a dungeon ecology simulator in that you simply dig the dungeon, and based on what and where you dig, various uh, organisms, creatures, monsters, are spawned, and they reproduce, and they eat each other. And so you're managing this, and it's completely hands-off. You don't have any spells, you just have a hammer to dig with. And if worse comes to worse, you can use your hammer to kill one of the monsters. Uh, but then every so often these heroes try to spelunk your dungeon and, and mm. kidnap. Basically, you have, like, a king that you put somewhere. In it's the, a very Dungeon um, Keeper vibe. But yeah, you know what? Dungeon Keeper was, was, like, Dungeon Keeper was pretty hands-on. You could pick up yeah. dudes and move them around. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it reminds me more of Majesty because it is completely hands-off. You are utterly helpless uh, and, and at the mercy of this sort of ecological system of... of nutrients on one hand and mana on the other. So it's, it's this very flesh and spirit uh, manichaean split between, between your resources. So it's an underground Viva Pinata. Ah, oh, how dare you. Ah. <laughs> Although Viva Pinata is not a bad majesty comparison. I know it is. I know it is. That's why I mentioned it. Well done. Uh, Bruce, so you've probably played a lot of Viva Pinata. Uh, I, I played a lot of... Um, I played the pen and paper version of Viva Pinata. Um, <laughs> the paper mache version. Yeah, exactly. Um, so wait, so this sounds like so is what's that battle for Altoona, Pennsylvania? Is that I need to get that and uh, and uh, and and this other one, this Holy Batman game? Uh, I don't think you need to get Holy Batman. I'm not sure I would recommend. It's a really weird, small. Uh, game small. I don't. I don't mean small to denigrate it, but it's. Uh, it's the. It seems like the sort of thing like you might download and, and play for five dollars or, or whatever. Uh, oh. And actually, I think you can download it. But it, it's it's simply a weird ecological system that you can watch and influence. Okay. Um, 
And I think a lot of people wouldn't care for it. Uh, but it is unique, and it does recall majesty very heavily, I think. Okay. But like the Pennsylvania, you recommend? I recommend that to anyone who likes uh, CCGs, yes, and Warhammer. Um, I like to talk a little bit about the Viva Pinata comparison, Troy. I can't believe I didn't think of that, because I liked Viva Pinata. Well, I haven't, I haven't played a lot of it, but I mean, Viva Pinata, the idea is, once again, you sound like the, this, this Batman game. You build a garden, and in certain conditions, things will show up. And you have to deal with them when they show up, and there are relationships uh, between the various, I guess they're Pinata animals... Uh, they're yeah, they're little candy themed, cute. I it, I forget if the cartoon came first or if it's from. I a think cartoon the cartoon or... came after. Okay, so I think it's like Microsoft's answer to Pokemon to sort of appeal to kids, right. but it is like you're saying, it's a serious sort of ecology sim. Um, so yeah, good call. Wait, so what uh, do you actually do? In Viva Pinata, you uh, drop the houses for... You, you basically plant a garden, and certain types of creatures like certain types of plants. And then certain types of creatures eat some of the other creatures that like the plants. So you're creating from the bottom to the top of the food chain a, a garden and an ecosystem, and certain creatures are worth more money, and you box them up and you send them somewhere, and you can mate creatures. There's a little mini-game to represent creatures having sex and... Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's all about, it's, it's a way to sort of teach children about ecosystems and nature. And sex. Uh, through, but not, so, no, you can't say that. Troy. That's, that's that sounds terrible. Well, it so is, it is about, it's about sex and death. I mean, Viva Pinata, at, at its heart, it's palatable for children, but it's a game about sex and death. It's about the fact that some of these cute animals that eat plants, you need to sacrifice them to get the more lucrative animals. Uh, you know, those cute little worms... Uh, are going to be eaten by the birds that you need, which are going to be eaten by the fox. Um, and then along the way, you pair up two of the animals and they have sex. So yeah, it is about sex and death. So this is all kind of like a like a conspiracy to brainwash school kids, like the Obama speech. <laughs> uh, I I don't. If you want to call uh, the facts of life brainwashing, then have at it. Okay, um, I will. Be- Viva Pinata, those are they're important lessons, and it's a it's a great way to teach them to children. I think so. There you go. And and healthcare, by the way, I think children should be taught about that. So there. Okay. Good. Perfect. <laughs> do the, do the pinatas have a have a public option? The pinatas, it's all you know. The pinatas, healthcare is pretty bad in Viva Pinata. Well, because it's all well, about their, their dental must be awful. I was getting, exactly. It's all candy, and and when a bird, for instance, eats one of the little worms. I think it pecks at it until it dies, and then the worm dies, it explodes their pinatas, so it explodes in a little shower of candy, and the bird then eats the candy. Uh, so, yeah, it's not as violent as actual nature. Uh, you know, sanitized for kids, I guess. Wow. You should play it, Bruce. I think you would like it. Wow. On your Xbox. I'd have to get Xbox. You should get an Xbox. Uh, anyway. They don't have it on the PS3, I'm afraid. Sorry. Uh, so, Bruce, you have not had the chance to play Majesty 2, I presume. I have not. I have it in my uh, uh, Paradox Plaza thing, but uh haven't downloaded it and have not installed it, have not had a chance to do that. Also have not had a chance to play Dwarf Fortress in the last two weeks, so there you go. All right. 
Well, one of the the great one of the good things about Majesty Two is that you won't if you played Majesty One, it's just so easy to jump in. I mean, it's it's so faithful to the original game. Like everything is, uh, you you will have no problem just like jumping straight in, and there's not going to be any like weird, you know, what are these guys doing? Uh, anybody who played Majesty One can totally play Majesty Two right off right. the bat. Uh, some of the the differences. So we we touched a little bit about some of the things that they changed since the first Majesty. Uh, they have now you can carry over heroes. They have uh, instead of temples that are mutually exclusive. There's this more inclusive model, but it's based on map control. You have to grab these nodes. Um, the parties thing is new. Like you can cluster them into parties. W- one thing that's missing that I really miss is there's no random map generator. There's no way to just play. A yeah, and that's uh, really one of my was one of my big complaints about the game. That first, uh, there are some single player missions, and they're very very hard. Uh, they're not simple missions to complete by any means. Um, so, and without a random map generator, assuming you even did get through these what maybe eight or nine single player scenarios, you have the sixteen map campaign. Um, you have the eight or nine single-player scenarios, and a few maps multiplayer. But without a random map generator, um, it's kind of losing something for me. I'm really a big fan. If, you're, if, if, you're, if your standalone maps are great and really designed like in Company of Heroes, or each one presides, you can, I can play some of those Company of Heroes maps over and over and over again and discover new mm-hmm. things in them. I really can't do that, I find, with the... Um, Standalone. Once you've played a standalone scenario in Majesty Two, there's really no reason to go back and play it again. What do you mean? What? What? Hold on a second. What? I can go back and play <laughs> the. There are limited maps in Company of Heroes. I can play them over and over again because they're so well done. Uh huh. Stand. But why can't you play the Majesty map? Because again? they're because they're hard. stuck as. Because in, you can only play really the maps as as maps in multiplayer, and otherwise they're in these standalone mission-based campaigns, which just aren't very interesting. It's not eliminate the other side. It is you know go and eliminate all the Robin Hood bandits and go kill the ogre, and it's it's two story based. It's not you know a map you're fighting against the other side with. Oh, I see. So there are no there are no actual missions where you can just open it up and play no. that mission. Oh, well, okay. Well, a, that, okay, I understand that because I was about to make a whole other philosophical point, but I'm not going to now. What kind of disagree with you, Troy? There, there are uh, you can replay the scenario, the, the single player missions. You can replay those if you want, uh, and and yeah, certainly but, those. But, but why would you want to? Uh, I mean, yes, yes, you can, but because you like the game. <laughs> I mean, that, that's I'm being flippant, yeah. but uh, you, you can replay the the campaign missions, and you can replay the story, uh, the the single player challenges. Uh, there's no in-game incentive to right, do this, that's what I'm and I think they missed a huge opportunity. Even a high score list because it tracks your right. score. You know, you, it tells you how many dudes you killed, how long it took. And if they had done any sort of metagame thing, like like giving you a bronze, silver, and gold medal, for instance, or uh, letting you set up games in different ways, like you know, if you have to like pick three classes and try to beat the scenario using only these three classes of heroes. You know, things like that would have given it a lot of replay value. Now, that said, so I agree with you there, Troy. That said, I do think there's replay value just just trying a mission again and seeing if it unfolds differently based on what other heroes you recruit. Uh, 
one of the good things about Majesty that other RTSs don't do is that right off the bat, you can build any guild you want. So if you want to open with wizards, you can. Uh, the more traditional way to do it is you start with warriors and clerics to heal them and uh, rangers to explore. You know, you sort of get that. Those are like your primary classes, maybe. And then you complement them with other types of classes, and eventually your guys level up enough, and you can you can morph a high-level hero into a new class based on what temples you've built. Um, but I do think that there is some value to replaying scenarios and, and trying to trying a different approach, you know, with different heroes. Um, well, that was the point that I was going to make a second ago until I decided not to, was that, uh, you know, every time I play a game of the Russian campaign, the game is exactly the same, right? You still have to capture Moscow, and, uh, you know, the setup might be different, but, I mean, everything is all the same, but yet I've played a lot of different, i played a lot of separate games of the Russian campaign, so I'm not sure why having, you know, why you can't just play the single-player missions by themselves. And, and like, like you said, I mean, if you like the game, then why just play that? I guess, I guess the point is that you don't like the game enough, Matt, so that's a different story. Well, it's weird, Bruce. I mean, you don't play like a lot of console games, so but you and I, the way we came into video gaming, that, that was a sufficient reason to play a video game. But there's a, a weird shift in, I think, the way that a lot of people perceive and play video games these days. And things like achievements on Xbox Live have, have influenced the way games are developed and played. Uh, there's this sense that you need to be unlocking something or leveling something up or earning an achievement. I think a lot of people have that towards video games, and I can't deny that I have that now. So when I play Majesty 1, just playing a scenario because I dig the gameplay, that was fine. But it's like a different scene these days. And so when I jump into Majesty 2 and I see that the developers haven't really done anything to incentivize replaying the game, no matter how superficial that incentive might be, uh, I'm a little disappointed. Um, well, that's, but, a whole, I mean, so, that's a whole other issue, but I mean, I, that I, is, I, yes. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by that, so... Uh, we should do a podcast on that. On achieve, yeah. uh, achievements like and medals and... But I, but I do think, Troy, I, I, I do think like, I, I do think you're kind of shortchanging... The replayability? The replayability. Yeah. It, it can unfold different ways. And, and, and the good thing about some of the scenarios is they have little sub-quests that you can do or not do depending on how you feel. Uh, and how you expand and explore the map varies. Um... One of the big ways to make money is grabbing a trading post at a, in a remote place and letting the you, you know letting wagons come in from multiple trading posts uh, and protecting those. Um, so do you sort of expand across the map and take the time to make the money and let more powerful creatures attack you, or do you sort of rush for your main objective? Um, so I, I think there's a little more there. You are right that they could have done a lot more. Uh, but once you know, once you finish all the scenarios, there's still plenty of stuff you can do replaying the same scenario. That said, gosh, I do wish, I hope they add just a random map generator. Just just give me a flat expanse, drop a few random monster layers on there, and let me make my way through it. Uh, I, I really hope they do something. It's an AI-controlled king on the other side doing the same thing. Well, that's the thing too. There's no like bots or skirmishes no. in in multiplayer. No. I hate that. Well, how would you how would you play multiplayer? So it's the same as Majesty Two. Is that the other guy 
you, you both start with the, your your palace or your castle or whatever it's called, um, and you are building your guilds and you're you're making heroes and your heroes are leveling up by fighting the neutral monsters. And as you clear the map out and basically clear the way to your other dude's castle, uh, your heroes start fighting each other. Uh, but one of the cool things is that any flag you drop on the map, uh, the other heroes can go for those as well. So you're creating these hotspots. You're spending money to create hotspots that bring heroes together. And ideally, you'll kill the other dude's heroes. Uh, so, and, and whoever loses his castle first is is out of the game. You eventually send your heroes to trash the other guy's castle. I see. Okay. It's very traditional, but it works fine. Okay, are you guys ready for this week's... Uh, we're going to have a contest this week. You're both okay. playing. We're all three playing. Uh, I want everyone to do his best impression of the tax collector dude. Oh, no. We're not... Yep. Oh, God, yep. I hate this that. Will be, this will be graded. This will be graded. So. How can you do the grading if you're the one doing the Paul invoice? Well, I'd say I'm going to grade it. We'll, we'll have listeners write in. <laughs> Paul Lynn didn't really do that voice. I don't do impressions. So it, yeah, we're all doing an impression. We've all played it. We all know what it sounds like. Uh, it is preserved intact in Majesty yep. 2. Uh, so we're all going to do the tax collector. If I have to go first to break the ice, I will. Are you guys ready? <sighs> Don't sigh. You know you're doing it. <laughs> you know I'm doing this, right, do you? Gonna... You're doing this, Troy. You're totally doing this. <laughs> you know you are. Because I brought it up, and if you back out now, you're going to be like the big sissy guy who wouldn't jump off of the high dive. <laughs> I put, yeah. put us all three on the high dive board, and if you have to walk back down the ladder, you know that walk of shame. So be it. But Bruce and me are going to do the tax collector call, and and you are as well. It's a contest. Are we ready? Who's going first? You know what, Troy? You go oh, first. God. Oh. <laughs> go. Right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. I'm just the trying to remember what it's what the guy sounds like. Uh, okay, then we'll have Bruce go first. All right, so here is contestant number one, Bruce Garrick, reenacting Axe Collector from Majesty. Bruce, take it away. Axe Collector. Very good. Very good. Okay, here, ladies and gentlemen, contestant number two, the esteemed Troy Goodfellow, his uh, impression of the Tax Collector from Majesty. Troy, go. Tax Collector. <laughs> oh, that's so pretty. <laughs> That was, that was beautiful in so many unexpected ways. There you go. <laughs> oh, okay, and uh, here's here contestant go. number three, me, Tom Chick, doing the tax collector from Majesty. Tax collector! That sounds like Troy. <laughs> God. I, I think I'm pretty sure that Bruce yes. won, by the I'm way. I'm pretty sure I lost. <laughs> was awesome, Bruce. Uh, well, that was embarrassing. That's awesome. That's what this is all about. Oh, the big show. Bruce, do you find yourself doing that amongst your colleagues very often? No, we don't have uh, Majesty uh, contests of uh, tax collector. But yeah, no, it's By good. Way, I, good stuff. Do you, yeah. do you know what the tax rate is in Majesty? Bruce, you'll like this. Oh, is it some kind of Scandinavian, like 90% kind of thing? It's 50%. Your hero, oh. <laughs> every, oh. every gold piece your hero makes... 
you know, oh. half of every gold piece he makes goes to <laughs> the king's coffers as soon as he goes back home. When oh, you click on a throw, you can so see upset. how much of his earnings he gets to keep and how much he has yeah. to give to the king when he goes home to rest. Oh. <laughs> how about that? Yeah, the Gipper would be so upset. <laughs> this is why D&D heroes are fighting over every copper piece, because they need it. Yeah, I, I can't, yeah, I, I can't support that, I have to say. Well, you're not supporting it because you haven't played the game yet, so there you go. Keep fucking that chicken. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bruce is always, Bruce is is always five mean? memes behind. I don't know what that means. You guys are oh, gaming. Um, right. Before we go, yeah. Troy, can you tell us a little bit about that that new RTS that you're playing? Oh, Order of War. Order of War. Minotaur. I play Order of War, which is uh, God. Who makes that? It's, a, it's from Sega, and it is. Ooh. By the way, Troy, when I hear Sega and RTS, yeah, I'm not sure who the developers are. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, is no, it it's Sega Square Enix. That's Square. That's right. Square. It's Square. Okay. I don't know I was thinking Sega. And it is, it opens with the Americans attacking France in World War II. I've, it's been a long time since I've played that. Um, maybe never. But it's not the setting that is, it, it's very dark. Wait a minute, you're I, being facetious, I've, right? I, Are you I talking about being D-Day? very facetious, yes. Yeah, ah, it's a D-Day, uh, D-Day setup, World War II RTS, uh, para-drop, you go and you kill all the Germans in town, then you move along. Um, and it has, it's, its central mechanic is you, as you earn points, you in every mission you then can spend them on role-playing game type level ups from mission to mission. So your tanks are better range, your uh, infantry are more durable, they move faster, this sort of thing, and you can spend however many points you earn from mission to mission. Uh, it's not clear to me at this point if the AI is getting any uh, level ups, or if the tanks I encounter in mission one are the same crap I'll encounter in mission 10. Um, I'm still making my way through the American campaign, and then there was the German campaign. At this point, I'm not really excited by it. It's an attractive game. It's very pretty, and it moves nicely. Um, it has a terrible patent impersonator. Can you do the patent impersonator? Oh, heavens no. My, my voice isn't near, <laughs> near gravelly enough. Give me some cigarettes and a little more beer and I should be fine. Ah, oh, cigarettes and beer. <laughs> now, are the is the control at a per-infantry unit level? Like, is there one dude, you control a dude at a time and a tank at a time? Or a squad at a time. Um, okay. And are the, are the units just generic tanks or are they historical names? They have, they have historical names. I, I'm not sure how many different tanks each side has. I think... It's like a company of heroes where you get, you know, one tank to stand in for every tank. And can you uh, give us a sense of the the pacing? Is it like a command and conquer fast, lots of things die? Uh, is everything pretty dur- durable? It, uh, how quickly does uh, it play? It plays pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, things don't move really things move as fast as you want. It isn't like command and conquer where you have to rush to an objective. You generally have time to, you know, set up your ambushes, get your flanking maneuvers in, try not to be spotted. Um, so there's quite a bit of planning involved. It's not a frantic bit of action. But your guys, your infantry especially, you get them exposed, they will die pretty damn quick. Um, mm-hmm. And anti-tank guns can do a number on your tank. So it's very important to be spotting properly 
and to recognize what you're moving towards. I lost a lot of tanks and, uh, the, and the, on the first mission. Fortunately, they're very generous on the first mission. You lose everything, and then Patton says, we're sending you reinforcements, but don't let that happen again. Hmm. That right there, that was your impression of Patton. That was my I just heard it. Of my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your mom my, mom, my mom could have kicked Patton's ass. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah. Now, uh, so are you building, re- is there a resource model, or is it where you get this number of units and yeah, you fight Yeah, you get the, the units, and then you fight with what you've got. Um, okay. And if you reach certain objectives, you might activate other reinforcements and other units coming in. It's mission by mission. Um, if you have it, Tom, we should probably try some multiplayer and see how it works. Are you happy with the interface so far? Is it, does it live not up really, to sort of the I, pace? I'm not the happy with the camera, especially. Okay. The camera's uh, not very friendly as far as swooping around uh, the 3D battlefield to know uh, which angle I'm moving at, what I'm moving towards, especially since the uh, it's one of those games where the camera can be pointed one way, but the mini-map is pointed in a completely different direction, so it takes you a while to orient, especially if you have zero sense, right. sense of direction like I do. Um, so it's could use a little bit of uh, camera work. It's like the, the Neverwinter Nights 2 camera. It's that mm-hmm. kind of difficulty in controlling the proper angle. So, I don't know a final verdict on it yet. I'm doing the review for GameShark. I hope to have it done by the end of the week, and then uh, of course, link to the readers whenever it is up. Now, here is an unfair question, and you can take the fifth on it yep. if you like, but I'm curious, would you be playing this if you weren't reviewing it? I probably wouldn't have bought it. Um, just it, the title didn't interest me. What I saw, the little bit that I saw at E3, uh, which was, I guess, the trailer running, didn't interest me. And what I read about it didn't interest me. It's not a game I probably would have bought. Um, so, but no, I'm reviewing it. So, you know, it's one of those games that I have to play. All right. All right. Next well, week, what are we doing? Next. So next week, Bruce, uh, you're going to tell us about Dan Brown's new novel. I understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next. <laughs> yes. Next week. Uh, next week uh, if assuming his internet connection gets up and running, we hope to have Ubisoft's uh, Michael DePlater join us to talk about End War, uh, the Total War series, and the future of real-time strategy games. Uh, he was supposed to join us this week, but his internet is down. And given our luck with calling long distance on telephones and recording that, I wasn't going to let that happen again. So uh, hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed, Michael, you get your internet up so we can uh, have you over. Uh, any final words? Can we talk about Halo 3 ODST? I'm going to wait for your final word on ODST. You- <laughs> what does that there, stand for, by the way? It stands for Overdose Street. <laughs> uh, ODST is Orbital Drop Shock Trooper. They're like, they're like uh, sort of the... They're they're the grunts in the Halo universe, I believe. Actually, they're they're, they're I mean, you know what? I take that back. They're like the elite. Yeah, they're they're the, uh, they're, 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 they're the green berets of Halo world. Yeah, yeah, they're like paratroopers. Uh, and, and the the only reason I say that, Troy, is because um, and maybe there's a podcast here, but there are there's a new firefight mode where you try to survive as long as you can against waves of invading aliens, and it reminds me a bit of Resident Evil 5 has a similar mode, Gears of War 2 has a similar mode, and the reason I bring these up is it's it's not a strategy game by any stretch of the imagination, it's, it's all action shooter stuff, but there are really cool strategic elements to it. Uh, namely resource management. You know, you only have so much health. You only have so many of these heavy weapons. Uh, 
so I we don't have to talk about it, but that's just one of the things I'm really digging about the what's called firefight mode in Halo Three. And ODST, you will have your uh, sort of you'll have your review of the firefight portion of ODST up sometime tomorrow or Tuesday, I would assume. It will by the time this podcast is up. Yes, it will be up on uh, fidget.com. Yes, F-I-D-G-I-T. I will link so. to it uh, at the bottom of the podcast uh, on the Flash of Steel site. Uh, say good night, guys. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.